Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. For our listeners uh, who come here often, you know that our our mission at Jew in the City is to break down stereotypes about Orthodox Jews <coughs> and and showcase a humorous, meaningful look into Orthodox Judaism. A lot of times on this show, we bring people in who do some sort of chesed, some sort of you know kindness for the world to show the kindness in the Orthodox community. We bring on people who break down stereotypes in one way or another. But part of what our mission is, is to show the relevance and meaning of an observant Jewish lifestyle in the 21st century. Many people, and this is a stereotype in and of itself, many people see, you know, orthodox values as being dated and passe. And one of our goals for Jew in the City is to show that, you know, so much of, of Torah uh, thought, and not that there aren't parts that are hard to understand and not that there aren't parts that we can struggle with, but so much of it. Um, enhances life and makes a, a modern life more meaningful, which brings me to today's topic, um, which is a little bit of a risque topic, but that's okay. Um, the subject is online porn, the online porn epidemic. I have been a little bit obsessed with this topic, I think for about a year, a little more than a year now. And it started, I guess, maybe early last fall. I was on Facebook and I saw a statistic which said, that 90% of kids, I believe in America, have seen online porn by the time they're 16, and the average age they're starting is nine years old. So that blew my, my mind, and that sort of led me down a rabbit hole of starting to educate myself more and more about what's going on, how to protect my family, and also, I don't know, to spread the word. I, I feel like just at heart I'm an activist. Um, although this is sort of a taboo topic, um, I was raised in a home where we spoke about sexuality, and not in an inappropriate way, but that, you know, my mom was never made it into an embarrassing topic. It was something that um, we felt comfortable to ask questions about, which I think was, you know, really to her credit, that was a great thing. And I actually tried to do that with my children. Um, and it's just a little bit horrifying because I think this is a problem that is affecting all people. But um, as from people... Um, we have, you know, real values about what sexuality is supposed to be like. There's a certain holiness to it. And another misconception is that we're repressed and anti-sex, which is not the case at all. In the right context, time and place, um, we consider this to be one of the greatest things that you can do. But um, unfortunately, um, because of the ubiquity of the Internet um, and because this topic is so hush-hush, um, I believe, and uh, our guest today can, you know, give us some more statistics on this. We're talking like 90% of men are watching online porn, 50% of women. So it's happening um, all over the place. Um, and th what's going on in these videos, not that vanilla porn was so great either. I have plenty of issues with that, even the soft porn genre um, and sort of what, what it does to women um, and men. Um, but uh, the violence that um, is coming out today um, is just so beyond. And um, I believe it's affecting our marriages. I believe it's affecting our children. And it's really against Jewish values. And so I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and I sort of had so much to say that I couldn't get myself to just pour it all out. And so um, 
one of our staff members suggested that I bring on um, an expert in the topic. Um, his name is Brad Salzman. He's an LS, LCW and a CSAT. I don't know what that second part means. Um, and he founded um, the New York Sexual Addiction Center. Uh, he's the founder and clinical director, and he deals with sex addic- addiction and porn addiction. And we are so fortunate to have him on today. Thank you so much for joining us, Brad. Sure, my pleasure to be here. So, um, was my intro pretty pretty right that this is a huge this is an epidemic it's affecting men women. yeah yeah I, yeah I think I think the magnitude of this epidemic is really hard to comprehend um, I think that you know a lot of people realize that there are a lot of people out there watching porn mm-hmm. but I don't think that most people realize how big this problem is in terms of um, an addiction. Uh, and in terms of how many people are really struggling with this, because it's not something that people talk about. Um, there are messages in our uh, larger culture that you know, looking at pornography is okay. Some people would even say maybe it's healthy. Um, there are even some therapists out there who would say that you know it's uh, it's healthy for individuals or even couples to look at pornography. So there's a lot of mixed messages that people are getting, and a lot of people who may be struggling with this are struggling secretly, and they don't want anyone to know about it, and, uh, and that includes uh, adults, it includes men, it includes women, and, and unfortunately also includes children. So can you shock us with some statistics? I'm saying, did, have you heard that one too? 90% of kids have seen it by the age of 16 and are starting around 8 or 9 years old. Is, is, was that statistic right that I, uh, that I saw? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the, right, the, statistics, the statistics that I've heard are, are very similar to that. I mean, these, these statistics are, you know, they, it, it's hard to know exactly, um, you know, what it is. But I, I, I am thinking that there's a, a very similar statistic that I heard that it was, um, I think that it's between kids ages 11 to 16, um, I think something like 50, 56% of boys have seen uh, pornography um, and 40% of girls, and I think that um, it was something like over 90% of them, of, of those, saw it by the time, by the time they were 14, had, had seen it. So, yeah, it, it is really shocking. I, I also just recently... Uh, so a statistic that came out just a few months ago, a study showed that one in every 10 porn site visitors is actually um, aged 10 or younger. So which means that uh, 10% of regular porn watchers, or I should say 10% of the traffic going to porn sites is kids that are uh, 10 years or younger, which is obviously, it should be scary for everybody. Oh, my goodness. All right, so let's talk about um, some of the negative effects that porn can have. I guess we'll go through the different groups. So since um, <laughs> it'll be the most, I guess, obvious or hopefully I, you know, most of our listeners are, could agree on this. I guess everybody hopefully would agree that for children this is clearly damaging. So what are some of the negative effects that um, at least some people agree are dangerous for children who consume porn? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, there's there's just a whole bunch of different problems there. I mean, I could tell you something. You know, having been doing this work that I do, working with uh, sex addicts and pornography addicts, um, something that I've been seeing for for a while now is that a lot of people in their twenties uh, who come in for treatment, they have already 
They discovered uh, online porn right around the time when they were becoming sexually mature, uh, or even earlier. So for them, their entire sense of sexuality is completely intertwined with porn. In other words, to them, sex and porn are really the same thing. And the idea of, of what makes normal sex is, is what they see on the screens. So it's not like it was 20 years ago, 40 years ago. Um, you know, it, 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 porn has become something, it's become this major force in society, frankly, that's uh, affected um, really mainstream culture as well. If you just turn on the TV and you look at commercials, if you look at advertising, if you look at fitness videos, even things that really um, aren't supposed to have anything to do with sex, they become extremely sexualized and also very pornified. So back to your question, though, about how this affects kids, um, you know, it absolutely you know, affects their expectations in terms of what normal relationships look like. Um, it definitely objectifies uh, women, and you know, it teaches young boys and young girls that you know, uh, women are basically sexual objects. And a lot of the uh, popular pornography is, is not you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, even normal, uh, you know, consensual type of porn. I mean, there's, there's porn that involves incest, porn that involves rape, um, porn that involves pain. Um, you know, these are actually uh, much more common than people think. In fact, uh, one of the largest porn sites in the world actually released uh, a study that they did in terms of, uh, you know, how much porn was consumed and what the most popular categories uh, were, the most popular category, the most often searched for term, um, and one of the largest, if not the largest porn site in the world, uh, was, uh, had to do with stepmothers and stepsisters. But that's the type of uh, porn most commonly being searched for. So things have definitely changed a lot you know, since the days of uh, Playboy in the 1950s and even, even a generation ago. But, you know, I want to say even um, even the, like, more vanilla porn that was, you know, um, that, again, the boys had to struggle to get the magazines and to hide them and sort of that higher bar that was there. Right. I want to say, as a woman, um, I feel like, you know, Shomer A. Naim, this idea that a man is supposed to guard his eyes and have them only for his wife. Obviously, that's a very challenging thing, and obviously, biologically, men are drawn to look at women's body parts. That's how the world was set up so that procreation would occur. But I feel like, you know, that mm-hmm. is a goal. That is something that men would strive to do, um, you know, because it's halachic. I feel like ultimately it's so protective and caring of women. It really helps a woman be cherished and feel respected. And, and I believe for a woman, you know, her her greatest goal is to be her guy's one and only um and so to have you know his eyes all over the place you know heads turning or you know wanting to consume um bodies of you know other women that mean nothing um i mean like even that mm-hmm. level um you know has probably has some effect at least on how she feels and i also wonder if it desensitizes a man that you know this is an interesting question i'm not sure if you have any experience on this you know what about the societies where they're walking around naked all the time. I'm saying, like in Africa, do you have you ever seen anything about that? If there's a desensitization on um, kind of what what the eye see or what is arousing to a man? Yeah, well, I can, I can, right? I can't, I can't speak about those societies. I don't have any information on that. 
But I can tell you that absolutely desensitization occurs for people who watch porn. And what that usually translates into is that people who watch a lot of porn um, uh, generally, in fact, almost always, lose interest in having sex with their wives. So um, it's not uncommon at all for me to see clients where the husband and wife have not had sex for years, literally for years. And the, you know, the wife was totally unaware that there was something else going on. And she sort of rationalized herself, well, he's busy with work, or, you know, um, he's got some other, you know, he's very stressed out, or, or he's just tired, or whatever it is. And meanwhile, he has this whole other, um, you know, sex life, which, you know, it, it involves looking at pornography, or, or sometimes, you know, uh, looking at pornography even leads to... Um, you know, going outside the marriage, whether it's, you know, finding anonymous sexual partners, um, finding prostitutes, massage parlors, strip clubs, the whole thing. So there's absolutely a, a desensitization. In fact, there's something called porn-induced erectile dysfunction, which is now, which is something, again, 10, 15 years ago, no one had heard of this. Doctors uh, had never heard of such a thing, and they were not sure if such a thing even existed. But basically, people who are, these young men uh, who are watching uh, porn all the time, they now they, they can't uh, actually um, get an erection. They can't actually have uh, they can't have normal sex with their wives or uh, their partners. So it's it's uh, it's it's as as this, you know uh, more time goes by, we see these problems getting bigger and bigger, and more people are becoming aware of it. Uh, yeah, so that's something that I heard, you know, I, I as I heard this first statistic that led me down the rabbit hole, I was saying I started Googling, you know, all different clips about the effects of it, and I heard um, feminist Naomi Wolf on a HuffPost live interview where she said, she didn't want to judge people because, you know, everyone can do their own thing, so she said that first, and then she said women are reporting, no, they're complaining that um, their their partners are not interested in them anymore, um, and they're suffering from ED. And I mean, I think there was even a movie that came out recently where um, she mentioned this. That Scarlett Johansson was the you know um, protagonist. Yeah. And her boyfriend, you know, wasn't yeah. even interested in her. He would leave their bed to you know go watch random women. So uh, you know, it's. I, right. I mean, as a woman, I feel like it's so sort of hateful and you know mean to women. But obviously, men are being negatively affected too because um, you know that intimacy and those real connections that could be there um, are just getting lost and and yet there's a debate you know I, I it's hard for me to understand because it seems so clear and um, so what what does the other side say meaning like how because there was a New York Times article uh, an op-ed recently that the Republican yeah. Party put out some sort of a statement that, you know, porn is one of the biggest epidemics that our country has to fight right now. It's a, a public porn. health crisis, a public health crisis, yeah. Exactly, right, right, right. And so this liberal writer, you know, mom, came out and said, you know, obviously the Republicans are ridiculous, ha, 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 um, and, you know, adults should do, you know, whatever they want, but they are kind of right about the kids. For the kids bit, we'll give them that. So why... Why are there other therapists saying that um, this is great and wonderful? Is I'm saying, are they saying, does everyone yeah. agree that with excess it's bad, but that like some amount could be okay? I'm saying, is that the well, other side's position? Yeah, I think, right. I, I think that that's a great question. I think some of the thinking is sort of a holdover from a few generations ago, you know, sort of from the, uh, the whole, you know, sexual revolution and women's world and that kind of thing. 
and this idea that you know we we can't uh, you know we we can't uh, look at sex as a bad thing. Sex is always a good thing. In fact, in the movement of sex therapy, uh, they talk about there's this concept of, of what they call sex positive, which is that you know we can't pathologize. We don't want to pathologize sexual behavior. In fact, they don't even believe that there could be such a thing as sexual addiction or pornography addiction. So these, as I mentioned before, these are the same therapists who would actually uh, give pornography to their clients and say, you know what, you need to you know, learn to get to know your own body and, or, or give it to a couple and say, um, you know, a, a man or, or rather a, a, a woman could come in and say, you know, my husband is looking at porn, he's not interested in me anymore. And this therapist might say something like, well, the problem is not with him, the problem is with you. You're too uptight. You should watch porn together, and you should experiment. The problem is, um, you know, pornography right now, as as we said before, has changed tremendously. And online pornography now is extremely addictive. It's a little bit like fast food, right? Um, food scientists have, you know, figured out how to manipulate, you know, how much fat, how much salt, and how much sugar is in a food to make us want to eat it even when we're full, right? There are certain foods... You know, uh, as you know, that, you know, even when we're full, we're like, you know what, we'll just keep eating it because it, you know, it feels good. And that's exactly what online porn is and that's how it works. So it even, even, and, and this never existed in the past because there was never such a thing as unlimited access to basically any type of porn that you wanted, right? As, as you sort of alluded to before, if you wanted to get porn in the past, you had to, you know, maybe go to the other side of town and, you know, go where, you know, people wouldn't uh, see you, and you had to buy individual magazines or videos that, you know, were expensive. And, you know, so those things kind of limited how much porn a person could consume. Right. Now, you can literally get any type of porn that you want, any type of porn, uh, even types of porn that, you know, you have some bizarre kind of, uh, you know, weird thing you're into, there's porn like that. And you can find it, and, and most of the time, you can find it for free. Right. Gosh. Um, so, you know, so those things, they really? call it the, uh, the, the, the triple A engine in terms of accessibility, anonymity, and um, affordability. Those are the three things that when they're combined to get perfect storm to, you know, make pornography uh, addictive. You know, and I'm thinking of something else that Naomi Wolf said. She call, she had a term for it called the kink spiral where just like, you know, we're used to um, someone – drinking a alcoholic drink every night and then it not doing the trick so they increase the amount that they're uh, consuming. I remember this back from health class from like seventh grade. Um, that porn allows this online porn the ubiquity and sort of as it gets more and more kind of hardcore and violent and crazy if someone 100%. has sort of tapped out on what is exciting at a certain level of quote unquote more normal um, then it you know they can just kind of up the ante to do crazier and crazier stuff and um, that's for sure. You mentioned before how it's affecting, um, you know, advertising and media um, in uh, Walgreens a couple weeks ago, like trying to buy children's toothpaste. I mean, that's it, just toothpaste. And I passed by um, a Britney Spears uh, perfume, you know, um, uh, ad, you know, selling the perfume with like the little, you know, ad there. And the, the picture, the, the name of the perfume is Private Show. And the look on her face is that, you know, and the way that she's dressed is, and but the implication that this mm -hmm. is a private show of the, you know, yeah. pornographic kind. And I posted it on Instagram mm -hmm. and people, yeah. you know, said to me at first, 
well, you know, she's known for being a sex pod. And, and I said, this is more than just the hot thing or the sex thing. Like, notice the language that's mm-hmm. used, that now out in the open, yeah. out in public, we have this idea. And again, the messaging that this is what women are there for. They are there to be these objects for men to enjoy. And I also, you know, something else right. that I, it drives me crazy and insane you know, we were in a polygamous world thousands of years ago. The Torah even allowed it, you know, not because it was a good thing, but because that was how um, women could survive. And thank God we've come to an age in the world where women do better, you know, being by themselves than, you know, having to be part of, you know, some harem. And I feel like you look even at the popular television shows that everyone's watching today, including in the from community, where, you know, you have these scenes that they're not like fully X-rated. They're just, you know, sort of soft porn. Um, and it's, you know, a gaggle of woman, women um, surrounding one man there to, you know, pleasure him and service mm-hmm. him. And I feel like where is mm-hmm. that idea of one woman being the one and only one woman counting and one man being committed to one woman and. I'm not sure, is, is that anything, like, do, I'm saying, do any of these shows ever come into play with what you're working on, or are you only dealing with the people that are involved in the more, like, hardcore well, stuff? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, what's interesting, what, what, what I thought of when, when you talked about that, you know, is we talk a lot about the, um, the shidduch crisis, you know, in the film world, and I've been thinking recently that, you know, what extent does online pornography have to do with the shidduch crisis? Because I think there's, you know, like you said before, this idea that has been reinforced by uh, the media, which which comes from porn, that you know men sort of should like the fantasy or the you know the, the perfect reality would be men have an unlimited supply of women, and in pornography that's true, right? Because uh, any guy, no matter how uncool he is or unattractive or or unappealing, basically has access to unlimited women, right? If he likes this type tonight, he can have this type, and tomorrow he can have that type. Right, and if he wants more than one, he can have more than one. Right, and if he wants this, anything he wants. And I and I wonder. I started to wonder recently how much of this shidduch crisis may be related, on some level. And I'm not saying obviously that everyone who uh, you know is is uh, having difficulty getting married has a problem with porn. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying looking at it at sort of a, a society level or cultural level, how much has porn influenced and infiltrated the film world to the extent that this is part of the reason that from young from people are having trouble finding adequate partners, right? Again, if you're used to these uh, porn stars and these, you know, women who are these sort of uh, perfect, seemingly perfect, you know, fantastic, unreal women who will do anything and everything, and you know, um, then it's going to be very hard to settle for a real-life person. One person, right. And but not only that, I'm saying so I, I definitely think that's something to consider. And also, I mean, the rising divorce rate, I've got to imagine that, you know, a certain amount of this, 100%. Is, especially if men are doing this in secret. Uh, my rub said the number of calls that he gets from alumni who discover their husband secretly doing this and feel so betrayed. And he said, how do men not realize this is not a bain adam lamako mitzvah. This is not a mitzvah between man and God. This is a mitzvah between man and man, man and his wife. Um, because you can really have yeah. this you know, entire secret life that you get started with that your wife has no idea about. And oh, 100%. 100%. And by the way, and I, and I just want to say again, this problem is so much bigger than, than everyone realizes. I know I once... I took a class in New York City for um, like small business owners. This is going back, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And uh, there were 30 people in the class, and it was, there were 23 women in the class and seven of us guys. 
And, you know, we had to all uh, go around and talk to each other about, you know, what we did and that kind of thing. And just, and I think we only met something like uh, maybe seven times, seven classes. Three of the women out of the 23 women in the class came up to me independently and said, oh, by the way, uh, my husband has that problem. Or another woman said, yeah, my ex-husband has that problem. And another woman said, yeah, you know, my boyfriend has that problem and we were looking for help. And I was thinking, wow, like, this is such a small group of people. There's 23 women. Three of these, of these 23 women came up to me and told me, how many other of these women have boyfriends or husbands with this problem? And, well, first of all, are, are not willing to, I didn't ask them. Instead, of, well, they don't know me. Because right. they come right over to me and say, oh, by the way, let me just tell you some very personal information. How many of them know about it? And then, like you said, how many of them have no idea? You know right. what I'm saying? And I think that that number is much higher than anyone thinks. I think that's sort of the big surprise. All right, so now I'm completely depressed, um, but now let's start talking about, uh, there's no solution at this point. There's no perfect solution, but let's talk about um, at least some things that we can do. I'll tell you what I've been doing. I mean, besides filters, okay. that means filtering. Um, it starts at Netflix. I put a, there Actually, there wasn't even a parental control for Netflix, and I tweeted Netflix, why do you not have a parental control? Literally the next day it happened. I don't know if that was due to me, but maybe the world can thank me. So I, I, I think it was from you. Yeah, I think I, it was from you. <laughs> I protected Netflix. I protected <laughs> Amazon because those have videos there too. You can stream if you have Prime. Um, I put filters on mm -hmm. my iPads and iPhones um, and Google because um, Google has a safe search. And then I did canine on top of that. But that's not all. I also have conversations with my kids. I have conversations with my daughters about how society wants to make women, you know, think that being sexy and you know looking a certain way and being a certain way is the ultimate goal and that's completely against what we believe as Jews that it should be equal that it's not all about our looks or sexuality and I speak to my boys who are five and seven especially the older one if they want to watch even like a do a video game where I don't like how the girls are dressed I stop and I point out to them do you see how they have less clothes for the girls and the boys that's not fair that's not right and I and I've explained to my seven-year-old son that one day he's going to want to look at pictures like this and things like this but that his eyes are for his wife and it's not respectful to his wife one day who's going to be his everything to go around looking at other women's body parts and it's not nice that you know gov um, that products go out and sell you know things based on women's body parts um, because it's not being respectful to women and actually mm -hmm. he said to my husband a couple months ago at the airport they saw a billboard where the woman was essentially naked selling some sort of product and he said to my husband I don't know why people would want to look at that well maybe one day I will but you know it's really not nice to women <laughs> that they you know sell things with their bodies so how am I doing what do you yeah. think <laughs> wait, wait, I think wait, you're doing advice? fantastic and you're I think you're doing you're and you're doing better than probably 99% of people out there. Um, I'm surprised at how many people who are otherwise very intelligent, educated, sophisticated people who really have this belief never happened to us. And I'm, I'm talking now specifically about, you know, children accessing uh, pornography. Of course, it also has to do with uh, husbands, but, but that's sort of a separate issue. We'll get to that maybe later. But um, this issue with kids, absolutely every device in the house needs to have a filter on every single device. So that means, um, obviously, anyone who has a tablet, if you have a smartphone, um, if you have an iPod, if you have laptops, if you have desktops, um, even an Xbox can be used to access pornography. Um, and again, people say, well, you know what? I have good kids. You know, my kids would never do that kind of thing. Um, there is a statistic that came out very recently that showed, um, I think, 
close to 30% of the kids who'd seen porn, um, again, by that age 16, uh, 30% of them had accessed it by mistake. And I think it's actually, that, that's a very large number. In other words, I think that the, um, the likelihood that a child will find pornography without looking for it is just as high as the, uh, the likelihood that he'll, he'll, he or she will find it they're looking for it. So you have to realize, if, if, you, if you've ever done like a Google Images search for anything, right, I don't know, cornflakes, right, or uh, I don't know what, you name it, something that has nothing to do with sex, you scroll down far enough and very likely you're going to find some, some really shocking, you know, pornographic pictures. You know? No, Brad, so it, I'm again, sorry it's not just, it's not just, this, yeah. This half hour actually has really just um, gone by so quickly, and we're out of time, but I, I would actually love to okay. have you come back for a second uh, show because I think oh, sure. there's so much more to discuss about how to have these conversations with our kids because filters is only one part of it. Having frank conversations with our kids yeah. and our spouses, I think, is the other part, and without that, we are doing Absolutely. a big disservice. So Absolutely. we're out of time for today, but tune in. We're going to bring you back in for another show because we've just uh, scraped the iceberg here. Thank you so much for, for joining us, and thank you so much for listening. You can find us here same time, same place, place next week. Bye-bye.